After a week at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, Chiefs beat writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell have returned safely and shared their thoughts and observations on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, March 2nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We talk about who the Chiefs interviewed and what hints that might provide when the draft rolls around next month. We also spend some time talking about one of the stars of the Combine, Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons, who attended Olathe North. He had a great few days in Indianapolis. After a break, we have some fun audio for you. Last Saturday was the Committee of 101 Awards. It's Kansas City's salute to professional football, and this marked the 50th annual event. The guest list was phenomenal, with Coaches of the Year John Harbaugh of the Ravens and Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. Hey, listen, a special shout-out to Shanahan for coming to Kansas City to accept the NFC Coach of the Year honor less than a month after the Chiefs defeated his team in the Super Bowl. Also here were Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore, Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas, and a who's who of former 101 winners, including Dick Vermeil and Mike Singletary. We're going to play some audio of that evening. First, you'll hear Lamar Jackson bringing laughter to the press conference room when he said how much he hated playing against Patrick Mahomes. That's a short audio clip. It's followed by my brief interview with Harbaugh, where we talked about Mahomes, the Chiefs, and how good he felt for Andy Reid for winning the Super Bowl. Harbaugh served on Reid's staff in Philadelphia, mostly as a special teams coordinator. But first, here's Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell back from Indy talking Chiefs and NFL Combine. So, when did you guys get back? Over the weekend, my man, over the weekend. It was a nice drive through the Indianapolis, or excuse me, the Indiana, Illinois, Missouri countryside. Yeah, so a week, a week at the Combine. That's that's a long time to spend. That's almost as much time as you spent at the Super Bowl. A week at the Combine is like two weeks in Kansas City. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But you saw um, a lot of football, a lot of prospects, a lot of coaches, personnel, agents. Uh, It was the place to be, was it not? The Indianapolis is, or the Combine in general, is one of those few events, and I know we mentioned this before we went there, but it's one of those few events on the calendar year, for the NFL's calendar year, where you're going to have all those parties together, which is why the the Combine, for some people, is about the draft prospects. Um, Most of your beat writers, the Combine is the other side of that. you got to get in touch with and network with as many agents Talk to as many members of coaching staffs or even other fellow media members. What are we hearing, et cetera? That, that's what the combine is about because it's the, it sets the table not only for the draft but for free agency. That and to showcase the skills of Isaiah Simmons, um, <laughs> which, which, I, which I believe happened. I was, I was glad you were part of the scrum that got to talk to him, Sam. Yeah. Uh, look, before we start talking about the Chiefs, I just want to um, say – how in the hell did Kansas, Missouri, and Kansas State miss on this guy with a brother who played, played for the Jayhawks? And, you know, KU was one of the first to offer Isaiah Simmons. He did say that. I think it was yeah. his first offer. I, I think he told you that yeah, at the, at the so interview. it snowballed a little bit after KU got in because, you know, I mean, how college football works is once KU offers them, everybody's like, <laughs> let's get in on them. But uh, Isaiah was only a three-star kid in high school, and I talked to his high school coach, and they were like, yeah, you know, we thought he was great, but, you know, it's not like – I mean, Olathe North has said, we all know Darren Sproles, and 
I know Herbie knows Darren Sproles much older than North. But he was at the combine. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> they they've had some NFL players, but still, I just think that there's this view nationally that there's not a lot of good football in Kansas, and so nobody came to see him play. I mean, I I was told by his high school coach that he he was pretty interested in Arkansas, and that they wouldn't offer him. Wow. And, um, and that was Bielema was the coach then, so a guy who yeah. recognized talent. And, you know, Clemson lost some defensive backs, and I think that's where they viewed him because he, he he was a great receiver. You know, the, again, going back to his high school coach, they, they just threw him jump balls all the time. And he, he would go up and get him. And you look at his athleticism now, and you're still like, he could probably play receiver in the NFL. Um, it seemed like when he was coming out, he was the wrong size. And now when he's coming out as an NFL player, he's the exact right size. You know, he said something really interesting at the Combine, which is that back in the day, and he's absolutely correct on this, back in the day, if you didn't have an exact position, that was not seen as a good thing at all. And now he's going to sort of revolutionize the way people look at defensive prospects because he's a guy without a position, but he can play every position. It's sort of that, you know, if, if, if you're – a jack-of-all-trades, you're a master of none, and I, I think he's a master of them all. But in high school, I think when they looked at a guy that was a jack-of-all-trades, you're like, yeah, I don't know exactly how we'd use him. Is he really worth you know, pursuing that heavily? But but when Brent Venables came and saw him play, I mean, it, he just said, thank God I went to Olathe North because I think he saw something in him immediately. And sure enough, he used him in a way – I'm not sure if, if any other – Defensive coordinators use him like that. Herbie and I had a conversation about Taysom Hill for New Orleans. Does he work in any of the other 31 NFL cities if he's drafted there, but now because he's or, or signed there, but now because Sean Payton sees something interesting, everybody thinks that this guy's got something. I think Isaiah Simmons is the same way. Because of the way Brent Venables used him specifically at Clemson, now everybody in the NFL is like, holy crap, we could use him everywhere. And to that point, had he gone to KU, he doesn't have this opportunity. I, mean, I honestly don't believe that. Because I agree. He played for a national championship team. He's been in the national championship games. Twice. Well, yeah, and so the exposure he got playing there seriously outweighs him staying home and playing here. Because now he's – this guy's going to be a top ten pick in my opinion. I mean, he's – I think the he's, furthest he falls maybe is nine. I, I yeah. did see some chatter that, you know, quarterbacks always go earlier than you think. So maybe that could push him down, but I just I can't see him falling past past. The yeah, you want the, whoever needs whoever doesn't need a quarterback, he's going to be up there top two or three. And I think. He, I think impact. as much yeah. as impact any, player. I really honestly think, in as much as anybody in this draft, maybe outside of Chase Young, you look at Isaiah Simmons and say he absolutely will help you. He just to me Correct. is not going to be a bust. I loved what he said, and I just thought, what advanced thinking uh, when he was – he just specifically said, you need somebody to cover Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Somebody asked him, like, how do you see yourself in the NFL? And he goes, you've watched George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, right? <laughs> uh, but the also really funny thing he said was somebody – he asked him, when you're going in with all these formal interviews with teams, what position are you telling them that you play? And he goes, defense. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, all right, so let's, let's – uh, Switch to the Chiefs. Uh, we heard from Brett Veach. We actually ran Brett Veach's interview uh, on the podcast last week. We heard from Andy Reid, and uh, and of course they're there to scout and interview uh, prospects for the for the draft. What did uh, what was learned uh, from the Chiefs' presence at the combine this week? Who do we? 
who do we know that they talked to? And was there one or two positions that were emphasized by the chiefs in terms of their their interviews? I think when we went to Indianapolis, we, we identified certain position groups that we thought the Chiefs would be after. Ahead of, ahead of time. You and I yep. kind of went over yep. and, and said, who, who do we think we need to ask? Have you met with the Chiefs? Have Correct. you talked to the Chiefs? What have you talked to them about? And, and I think we were not disappointed. Because I, I think we identified them pretty well. Yeah, they, they touched on cornerbacks. They touched on wide receivers, linebackers, uh, offensive line, and even running backs. And for me, on Friday, the last day of media availability is when Sam and I had that eureka moment because – Holy smokes, look at all these cornerbacks they're talking to. For the listeners out there, you have to remember there are two kinds of interviews at the Combine. You have your informal and your formal interviews. And the Chiefs spent a lot of formal interviews on cornerbacks. We're, we're talking the likes of well, TCU's Jeff the, Gladney. Talk about the difference. I, I think listeners would probably benefit from knowing the difference between those two types of interviews. An informal interview can occur in the hallway. You know, it, I'm a Chiefs representative. I walk up to top wide receiver prospect Sam McDowell here and we just start chatting a little bit about it and you know we're not sitting down and breaking down film he goes off on his merry way a formal interview in the NFL only allowed 45 this year which is down from 60 um you're meeting with coaching staffs you're, you're meeting with the general manager uh, for example TCU Jeff Gladney met with them also Jalen Johnson from Utah when he, I asked him about his formal interview process he said he met with the Chiefs he met with Steve Spagnuolo and, and Sam Madison, and they broke down film. You know, what are you seeing here? How did you attack this? That's your formal interview. And it's huge, especially this year, because there are 337 players at the combine, and you can only have 45. If you're, if you're talking to these guys in a formal interview, to me, that shows interest. And clearly, the, the, the Chiefs were out there looking at cornerbacks, linebackers, wide receivers, offensive linemen, and running backs. What stood out to me most is that the cornerbacks they were talking to are early round projected picks, first and second round guys. So I think that's what they target late in the first round. You know, if, I, if we're making a mock draft right now, I'm probably having them taking a cornerback. Um, the guys we know that Herbie and I sort of checked off the list had the formal interviews. And again, like Herbie mentioned, the Chiefs were only allowed 45 of these. So when you find out they've spent one of those 45 on a guy, you know it's somebody they've got serious interest in. Um, LSU's cornerback Christian Fulton uh, had a formal interview with him. Um, what's interesting about him is he, he, he says he, he plays a lot of press coverage. Um, mm-hmm. Herbie mentioned that, that he t- asked uh, Jeff Gladney, who, who went through TCU. Uh, from TCU. Um, Alabama cornerback uh, Trayvon Diggs is really interesting. He's the younger brother of Stephon Diggs, and he had a formal interview and he says he plays exclusively press coverage at Alabama, and I think that would be a really good fit for the Chiefs. Um, Clemson cornerback A.J. Terrell also had a formal interview for the Chiefs. And then um, Herbie already mentioned Jalen Johnson, and these are all guys projected to go on day one or day two. Yeah. So they're using a lot of their allotted time, because it's 18 minutes that you get with these guys, to talk to cornerbacks who are projected to go in, in the, on day one or day two. And it, it's extremely important – because don't forget, when free agency starts, the Chiefs, unless they barring a re-signing, they're going to lose Bashad Breeland, uh, Kendall Mo, Fuller, Mo Claiborne. Mo Claiborne, and Keith Reeser. So you've got to fill these holes here. Well, I've got uh, CBS Sports position rankings called up here, and you, you guys just named you know, four, four or five of their top seven or eight cornerbacks. <laughs> 
<laughs> the only one you did, Jeff Okuda, the Ohio State guy. Right. Who's going to be gone? Yeah. And who's, who's we actually did, you know, the one name that surprised me was uh, uh, Henderson from Florida. Right. He had not had a formal interview scheduled with the Chiefs, but Herbie knows this more than me because of his history covering this league. Teams will game the system a little bit. If they are absolutely sure they're interested in the guy, they feel like they've got enough info on him via other resources, college coaches, high school coaches, that that sort of thing, they don't necessarily want to tip their interest in a guy if, if they think it might prompt another team to, to move up in the draft ahead of them to grab a guy. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're not interested in Henderson, but it surprised me that that was not a name that they had a formal interview with. How does that um – relate to college pro days then could the chiefs not have a formal interview in indianapolis but but can they talk to somebody at a college pro day oh absolutely absolutely and here's the other thing about pro days if i see brett veach at a pro day then i'll be like who is he here to see because most pro days you'll send your scouts um your director of pro personnel but if the general manager's there that's when your 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 radar starts going off like who is he here to talk to and then you you're watching and exclusively after the end of practices or the workouts, who's getting pulled over them. So uh, I know that you're going to a couple of pro days this week, uh, Kansas and Kansas State. Mm-hmm. So you will take notice who uh, who is in attendance NFL personnel-wise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Surprisingly, KU has a bigger NFL prospect does than, than Kansas State. We, her, Huber, Herbie wrote a story on last week. Uh, Adenogy, uh, yeah. offensive lineman, is is getting some some serious looks. Yeah, he's, he he had quite a few f- formal interviews. I know he talked to the Atlanta Falcons. He hadn't talked to the Chiefs, but that doesn't mean he's not going to talk to them right. Thursday at his pro day. Uh, he, he's a projected mid round draft pick, rounds three through five. So I mean, we were talking about this before uh, we came in here. He he might be the highest draft pick for KU since Akeem Talib. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. Gosh, it's that if if that's the case, that does speak volumes for what. Well, it explains why Kansas football has been Kansas football for for more than a decade. How about other any other local products uh, from, or products from local schools? There's standout. There, there were six Mizzou guys there. Um, uh, you know, I wrote about about Kale Garrett just because he was also from Kearney, and he's coming off that injury he had last year, and he's going to be fully healthy. Although he's not doing the bench press, he didn't do it at the combine. He's not doing it at the pro bit pro day either. Um, a guy that I like everything about him except for his speed. And I think that's how NFL teams feel as well. So I'm not sure if he, if he if he goes in one of those later rounds, but he could be the sort of guy that you know the way Ben Neiman worked his way onto the Chiefs roster that maybe he finds himself on a roster. Um, the Chiefs did formally interview Missouri defensive lineman Jordan Elliott, and he he's started a day, his career at Texas, and he's a day one day two guy. So yeah. um, that that's a def- interior defensive lineman. I think he can move around a little bit. And as we all know, the Chiefs like guys on both sides of the line who can play multiple positions. Albert O is a guy that like people around the country better start learning how to pronounce his last name. That's Tight why end. Yeah. I just say Albert O. It, Sam taught me that. He blitzed the 40. Yeah, fastest 40 time among the tight ends there. But we, uh, we know that he did talk to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I asked him who his formal interviews were with, and he's – he specifically mentioned the Steelers, and they need a tight end. Uh, and he fits Mike Tomlin's mold. So he's a guy for teams that are tight end needy. People out there in the country learn how to pronounce his last name. He's going to be a really interesting prospect, I think, in this draft because I think people were surprised by how fast he ran that 40 because he doesn't necessarily show up as that fast on his game film. 
And so what? they've got to make a decision as far as is this really his flatline speed? I'm curious to know what his production would have been like had Drew Locke still been at Missouri last year. Because obviously his production did take a dive, but he's a baller. I think he's a baller. You didn't see him in any speed situations at Missouri. That would be possession guy uh, when he in, – in, uh, and statistically underachieved. But that not necessarily his fault. I mean, dealing with uh, – um, you know, Kelly Bryant, a quarterback, not as good a, an arm or thrower that, as, as Drew Locke. And then he got hurt, and there was, you know, it was just a mess on, on the offensive side, especially the second half of the season for Mizzou. Um, okay, listen, I know the, the combine isn't necessarily the place for free agent talk, but that even throughout the combine, that's, that's every day now. It's just every day, and there's so much attention uh, on the Chiefs and Chris Jones and the and the cornerbacks, Herbie, as you mentioned, um, a, you know, a week after we talked about the combine, any do you have any different feeling about uh, about the way things might unfold on the on the free agent front for the Chiefs? I, I think of anything, and, and this isn't just the Chiefs; it's league wide. The uncertainty of the CBA. We, we got to wait until there's a CBA in place before we start seeing moves, and. It, to me, it's, it's fascinating because usually this time of the year, even before the start of the combine, you start seeing roster cuts, salary cap casualties, and we haven't seen any of that yet. Not just with the Chiefs, but around the entire league. So once the CBA is, is stabilized, I, I think we're going to start seeing some moves. But the teams are conducting business as if there is a CBA because we know Brett Veach met with all the agents of the of depending free agents. Uh, from talking to sources around the league, you know, they're, they're, they're also meeting with teams. But nothing can be done until something is in place. You know, you guys would have, uh, you would have had fun Saturday night here in town. The, the 101 Awards uh, Banquet was conducted at the downtown Marriott. And this was the, uh, the first time since the inaugural event in, in 1969 that the Chiefs, the, basically the host of the, uh, of the event, uh, arrived as the Super Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of discussion. Even though none of the Chiefs were award winners, this is a salute to pro football and a celebration of the NFL. Uh, there was a lot of talk about the Chiefs by Lamar Jackson, by Michael Thomas of the Saints, Stephon Gilmore, um, Kyle Shanahan was there, which total salute to Kyle Shanahan for Absolutely. coming to Kansas City yeah. to accept the NFC yeah. Coach of the Year award less than a month after losing the Super Bowl. To the Chiefs um, and uh, and John Harbaugh was great. The reason I bring this up is uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a break and when we come back, you're gonna hear from John Harbaugh and um, Lamar Jackson on Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs, and I think you'll enjoy what they had to say. So we bid farewell to Herbie and Sam, and we'll be back right after a break. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. 
And that's a great quarterback. Um, I hate playing against him, I'm gonna be honest. And I'm not even on defense. Yeah, yeah, he gonna keep scoring. I'm like, now we gotta go score. It's gonna be a great game for the fans, but we hate it. <laughs> Can you relate at all to what Lamar said about uh, playing the Chiefs and, and Patrick and uh, oh, yeah. difficulty of, of that, you know, just what he brings? And I mean, Lamar's on a, to me a different planet with what he does, but Patrick's a year ahead, basically. Right. Maybe the difference between those two guys. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, to me, they're, they're like, they're symbolic in, in similar ways, but they're very different, too, in the way they play. In, in great ways, right? Unique ways. But Patrick's unique. He can get out, he got, he, he can get out, he can get away from the rush. He can obviously gain yards if you let him running. But this guy's got a vision of the field and the ability to put the ball everywhere on the field, on a dime, on the run, like nobody probably in the history of the game. I mean, that arm talent and that combination with the vision, to me, is just, it's just a killer, you know? So, we played him last two years. I feel like we played we played some of our best football against him, you know, and we he's made plays in critical situations that have cost us a game. It's really been heartbreaking for us. So that's the thing. It's we got to find a way to beat him right now. Um, it's, it's silly to even surmise this, but when you get a quarterback like Lamar, when the Chiefs have one like Patrick, you can you can think about a future with the window. It seems to be never closed. Maybe. With with, with those guys, is that too much of a stretch? Or no, I mean, you know, nobody lives forever. I mean, Tom Brady's about as close as anybody right now, right? Maybe better than anybody ever did it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the lesson I took the I'll take the I'll try to take the lesson from Andy. What he's done with their offense, I think what Andy's done with their offense has been really unique and different. I think he's kind of changed the course of football um, just by opening up the playbook to basically every kind of different play you can imagine that fits Mahomes and fits their players. That's what Andy does so well. I mean, every play strives to be a touchdown. He gives it off inside there sometimes just to keep it honest, you know. So I think we've learned a lot from that. Actually, I think Bill Belichick has done the same thing in New England around Tom Brady, right? Who's a completely different quarterback, but everything is done, you know, at the line, and then and after the ball snap, Tom is able to, you know, take advantage of the defense. So for us, that philosophy kind of is what we're chasing too, except with our quarterback who has a different skill set from either one of those two guys. So you try to build something that's completely new and different around the players that you have. I think that's kind of the lesson, and that's what Andy's done, just a phenomenal job of. Was there an appreciation when Andy won? Oh, I, I yeah. Can't, I mean, I, I hated Kyle's a great guy, and I, but I don't, it, it, in the coaching fraternity, I know fans here just were beside themselves that Andy got to win one. Was, was there some of that in the coaching world, too? I think so. I mean, for me, it was it was more personal because I was with Andy sure. for 10 years, you know, so had been in, had been in four championship games, had been in a Super Bowl. We had a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of moments, you know, a lot of after games and before games and all that stuff so um, that was that was personal I, mean, I like Kyle but I was rooting for the Chiefs that'll do it for today on Sports BKC glad you stopped by thanks to producers Derek Donovan Savannah Smith Randy Mason Beth Welsh Jeff Rosen and Chris Fickett also thanks to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for stopping by we'll be back on Tuesday for another Sports BKC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day